The Truck and Driver podcast is sponsored by Snap Account, the all-in-one payment solution for truck parking, washing, tolls and more. Hello and welcome to the Truck and Driver podcast. I'm Dougie Rankin and I'm joined today by Matt Ireland. Matt, how are you and what have you been up to? Uh, I'm not too bad, mate. I'm not too bad. Um, although I would, I did get bitten by a seal yesterday, which... Uh, Okay. Isn't a usual a course of action for a truck driver, I guess. It's not a usual course of action. Yeah, not for not many as in a seal people, that you, you know. I would have thought, you know, <laughs> never like. I, I should, I should stress it's a wild animal. Uh, but I am trained to try and let's say try and uh, capture them safely uh, for assessment because I'm a I'm a volunteer for the British Divers Marine Life Rescue, um, and so if anyone from the members of the public report a seal or any other you know marine mammal like a dolphin or anything like that in distress you know we'll go out and go and have a look at it and if need be upload uplift it and take it to a vets for you know further treatment so uh. a, a, sh- a call came in yesterday i responded i went out and unfortunately uh the little devil actually managed to take a bite at my arm so um oh so where, where was, the, where was the seal? yeah um i had to take myself to a and e because oh. none of the doctors no, no doctors were, you know, at, uh, open yesterday afternoon. So yeah. it, you just need to get a prescription for a specific uh, antibiotic because of some of the pathogens that seals carry. Um, you can't just, you know, there's a good risk of infection. So and you need a specific uh, oh anti an, antibiotic. So it's nothing, nothing too drastic. Just got a bit of a cut, a bit of a cut in my arm, and um, I've got to go back tomorrow morning before I start work, just for them to assess and check that it's not properly infected. Um, and uh, then, I, then I can go back to work. And I had a tetanus jab as well at the same time. So uh, both arms are uh, a little bit sore today. <laughs> ah. So, so where, where was this seal and what had happened to it? I'm curious. So, I've never heard of anybody going to rescue a seal before. So the seal's at Kessingland Beach, which is just south of Lowestoft. Um, so not far from where I am. Um it was displaying. It's it was definitely underweight. Uh, you can tell because it just wasn't particularly fat as such. And and the way it lays out, it's kind of splayed out a little bit. So it was just it looked underweight, and that's that's not a great sign that they when they lay down like that. And I thought I could see blood under its muzzle. So I, I generally we we sort of will get hold of them and then just give them a quick assessment. Check you know just a rudimentary one. I'm I'm certainly no vet or anything. Um, just a, an all-round check, and then if need be, put it in. We've got a specific seal bag that we can take them off the beach and put them in a carrier, and then take them on for you know further assessment by a professional. But he just uh, he was much more feisty than what uh, I expected, and he just uh-huh. he actually he caught my trousers first, and then oh, I was trying to get get him again. He he managed to get hold of my arm, bite me, and then go back in the sea and, and disappear. <laughs> so he, he basically trolled you. Yeah, like, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, have some of that. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've I've heard you on the podcast. I don't like it, and and uh, have some of that. And I'm not going to argue with you. And off he went. <laughs> Bloody hell! A and E on a Saturday was it busy? To be fair, it wasn't actually. I thought I thought I was going to be up there for ages, and I, and I went in, and there was I don't know maybe half a dozen people, and good old NHS within two or three minutes, I was called in. Um, you know, clean clean it up, assess it. 
uh, they x-rayed it just to make sure there's nothing, no bits of tooth or anything left in there. Um, and uh, away away I went. So yeah, just got to pop up, let's say pop up there tomorrow morning, which is kind of the wrong way for me, but it's only it's not far away, and it's uh, better safe than sorry. So um, just a bit of a later start tomorrow now. <laughs> oh well, not to not to worry. Yeah, no, not to worry. Yeah, I did. Yeah. And you did send me a picture on WhatsApp as proof, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and uh, when when they gave him a tetanus, they actually they bought in a child's plaster, uh, which they say wasn't deliberate, but my girlfriend thinks that it was. Did so you? I had a nice ne- Nelly the Elephant um, band aid on my arm yesterday. Oh, did you get a lollipop? <laughs> Sadly, not. No, it's, that was the no. worst of it. No, no, no sweets or treats or anything. It's quite <sighs> quite gutted. Dearie me. Right. Well, uh, I have some unfortunate, if not unsurprising news that our first show of the year Convoy Wales at Pembrey has been cancelled that was due to take place on the 15th and 16th of May at Pembrey Race Circuit the first time out and um, initially it looked like everything was getting the go ahead but the Welsh Government have since um, dug their heels in and they've basically cancelled all public events for this year so that show is now not going ahead. So the first convoy event that we will be running will be at Thruxton Convoy in the Plain on the 3rd and 4th of July. Um, the unfortunate thing for me is that the brand new uh, truck and driver came out um, this Friday there. And it's got a news story saying, well, to be fair, my news story is pretty vague anyway. Um, uh, saying, where is it? Where's my news story? It starts off, amazingly, somehow, don't ask us, but the relevant authorities are given the go-ahead for the Welsh convoy in the park. No, they haven't. (laughs) So, unfortunately, I've gone and bloody printed that in the magazine and mentioned it in my editorial. So, sorry to say, guys, Pembrey cannot yet go ahead, but we're still early in the year and everything seems to be going in the right direction. So, hopefully, um, the rest of the things can go ahead. Yeah, so, right, that's that official bit of news out the road. (laughs) <laughs> well, never mind you are um, you're still driving the Vito is it Sprinter Vito you've got a Sprinter the Sprinter yeah Sprinter. I've just yeah although I did just have two weeks out uh, to sit my transport manager's CPC that's right enough uh, um, I asked, have you got the results back no won't know for another three or four weeks now 20 23rd 23rd of April, one or the other, yeah. we'll get the results. So it's kind of a long wait. And a good friend of mine, Pete, he also sat his up north and we sort of discussed it a little bit after, although we're both trying not to think think about any of the answers we've put All down right. because we you know, we, we both know that we've got a few wrong, but it's just whether we've got too many yeah, wrong, you, you know. You don't need like maximum score for it anyway. When I did it, no. it, was the, it was the open book exam where you were allowed to take all your notes with you into the classroom but you yes. had to you had to have revised the notes to know where to look because there was so many um, yeah different yeah. Thi- different things in the notes that you had to find them quickly I, I think with things like that you've usually got a fairly good idea when yeah. you leave the exam room as to whether or not you've passed it yeah well um, this is uh it's a two-parter so there's a multiple choice first which you can't take anything except a calculator in and then the second part is like a case study which is open book and you take whatever you want in. And like at the end, at the end of every module, there was like a revision sheet, which was just a quick go to, which I put all to the front of my folder. And um, the multiple choice, 
I'm, I'm more concerned about the multiple choice than the case study. The case study, I opened it up and there was just this spider's diarrhea of a diagram that I looked at and I was just like, oh my God, what? On, we haven't seen anything like that. I'm, I'll, I'll ignore that for now. So I sort of read all through the notes then I skipped to the next question and that was about costins and I, and I constantly got costins wrong whilst we were doing it. I, I don't know. I've never been great at maths. Um, so I thought, well, I'll leave that as well. Right. Next question. Right. I can do that. So I, I just started on every, everything that I could do and I knew I could do. And then I went back and when I went back to this, this mess of a diagram, I, you know, I read it three or four times and all of a sudden it just fell into place. So, Oh, they've given me the roots They've given me every all the information's there. They just need to mm-hmm. work out the top the timings, and the timings were at sixty kilometers an hour, which is a mile a minute or a kilometer a minute rather. So it's just like right, full five k is five minutes, seven k is seven minutes, blah blah blah, and it, and it turned into something really quite easy, thankfully. So um, oh, good it's stuff, the, good stuff. Yeah, it's more the multiple choice I'm concerned about. I mean, mm. and I've got, I've got no, I've got no interest or desire of becoming an owner driver. Um, I think whoever whoever does that. I take my hat off to them. I've never really wanted to do it, but the CPC is something I've wanted to do for a, a long time. I've kept talking about it. Mm-hmm. And now the world has changed. It was like, right, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. Let's just do it and see, see how we get on. And we actually had it over zoom because the, the Boris's announcements were made the week or so before we were going to go in the classroom, but mm-hmm. it was actually done sort of two weeks of sat at home. So I didn't have to go anywhere. Um, uh, taking classes over zoom so as soon as we logged on to have this chat and i heard that ding dong it just took me mm. straight back to doing the cpc <laughs> yes uh, uh i did quite enjoy doing it in the classroom at the time like i said i mentioned it before that i quite if it's a good trainer and it's a good class and yeah. i'm interested in the subject matter i do enjoy going out and doing training and things and i did i did like doing the transport manager thing in the class because of, well, I did it back in um, 2018 um, mm-hmm. and I managed to do my EDR over it as well but honestly I, I can't wait if I've got to be doing any more training courses in the future to get back into doing them face to face with people and everyone that I can uh, definitely yeah um, I, I deliberately didn't want to do home study because the pass rate is so low and also uh, if you've got a good group of people in there and they've got they've got a question you might not have thought about and you can bounce ideas off each other and it, it did work quite well off zoom doing it but it would have yeah. been much preferable to be in the classroom but hey it's that's what we've got to deal with at the moment so um mm-hmm. we'll see um I'm, I'm sure you'll be fine I hope yeah, so yeah. I hope so so but uh, it's just yeah it's um it's interesting because it gives you a lot more of a wider scope of what goes on behind the scenes. You know, if you're just a just a driver as such, you don't like the, the costings or everything. You don't. I didn't realise. Yeah, know, I mean, I would taking in like depreciation and things like that. Um, it's an important although, thing, that I mean, I would say even if if you wanted to be an owner driver, even if you didn't want to be your own transport manager, it would mm. still be worth doing the course. I would say. Because mm-hmm. it, it gives you that other side of the business and I look at it, which you may not have otherwise have seen. Um, yeah. So you know about it. You know, there's a, there's a, uh, a lot of guys who've just kind of like, right, I'm going to go and buy a lorry and uh, then I'll go and see about getting some work for it. And they don't, never really looked into kind of costings and, and, and things like that. Yeah. Um, uh, but I mean, the, the, the whole thing about it all realistically is though, as uh, I'm sure everybody who is a driver knows, 
it'll be a case of right well it's costing me x amount to run it and you'll go to uh, your customer and they'll say well we're paying x amount per mile or well that job's worth 300 quid and it's take it or leave it basically so you kind of you, you can kind of work it out but realistically the rates and that aren't set by yourself are they not too often. I've heard a few cases no. recently with some of the guys running to Europe have been naming, have been setting prices because people have been so desperate to get freight yeah. out there because of all the customs stuff. But that's definitely the exception to the norm, you know. Yes. The, yeah. the job will be priced, and you've got to decide whether you do it or not. I mean, that's I worked, right. When we were running the Kingspan um, on the flatbed trailers, we often wouldn't back backload anything. Because by the time we'd backloaded stuff and tried to run it to where it was going, you were coming down the road at like eight miles to the gallon instead of doing like 11 or 12. And it basically, yeah. it, it wasn't worth the hassle yeah. in some cases. Yeah, exactly. so. yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I know sev- several transport companies that won't won't backload because they'll charge a round-trip rate and it's just it's too much aggro. And it, the quicker they can get back and do their own work, the better, really. So... Mm-hmm. Oh, and realistically, realist, there shouldn't really be such a thing. Well, I say backload, you know, it should be the same rate. It shouldn't be backload rates. No, no. people, are, no, you know, it's a, a lot. That's a, that's something. If you look back in the old issues of truck and driver, you know, going back years and years, it's been an issue for a long time. All, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Some things will never change. Um, no, absolutely. <laughs> Well, I've been living the dream this week. Yeah, you've been in a big, big horsepower machine, haven't you? I have. I've been out in the big, the mighty 770S Scania. Um, I need to watch what I'm doing on the podcast because not repeat myself several times because I need to speak to Paul about it because he wants to hear about it as well. Right, fair enough. <laughs> but, <laughs> but we're still going to. Oh no, we're still going to talk about it now. <laughs> yeah. Did, did, yeah. I mean, did, what? Are, I mean, have you have you driven many next gen Scanias? I haven't driven a single one yet. Not driven a single one yet. No. Well, this uh, was I had on demonstration. I had the, the little R four ten gas truck back yep. in when was that? That was the end of twenty nineteen, and I'd done yep. a couple of shifts in that lovely R five hundred manual tag mm-hmm. um, for rocks off gravel. So this was like a new experience getting a full, proper run in a next gen, and uh, it's um, quite some machine. It was um, you know I, I was really quite privileged to be the first person to get that truck and worked it. I had 800 miles on the clock when I, wow. when I picked it up. <laughs> uh, Jared Griffiths from Scania uh, brought it up to Bells Hill for me. Um, yeah. And um, I ran it for AED Transport, um, Alan Davey, because he's just, he's recently bought four 540S Scania's and he's got, yeah. he's got a load of S-series along with, he's got dual-clutch Volvos, 530 DAFs, he's got an Actros Edition 1, um, plus some other stuff I've forgotten about. But, um, oh, he's got one V8, he's got one V8 as well for his longest-serving driver, so I was running heavy, I did a full um, seven-card week Sunday to Saturday, and I only had two hours left in total right at the end of it. Um, Very 50- well planned. <laughs> oh, but... <laughs> Amazingly, I did I did fifty three hours driving. Um, yeah, and obviously it's because I was only out that one week. Uh, because I'll be back to the magazine again um, on Monday that I was able to go and do that on Thursday morning. They said um, uh, you can finish up now if you want, or you can turn and burn and see if you can get another load in. And I was like, no, bring it on! It's not very often you get the opportunity to drive a yeah. truck like that. And I was 
loving it. The, the curious thing was that everything went like clockwork all week. I did three loads of potatoes south um, to Rushton. Yeah. And uh, my three, but what did I backload back up? There was a load of fizzy drinks. Um, there was turf from deepest, darkest Norfolk. Oh, um, uh, a place called at my manor. Yeah, a place called Feltwell. I was near there. Feltwell. Yeah, yeah I know Feltwell. Yeah. You're familiar with it, yeah. But we had yeah. to go, oh, well, we had to go and um, load uh, turf, but we had to drive into the farm, which was down all these crazy single track roads that were super bumpy, you know. Yeah. It's like the, the, well, the roads like. <laughs> welcome subs- to Norfolk. <laughs> oh, and the. It's like the road subsided that much that it's like two hands firmly on the steering wheel because when you drop into one of those dips in the road, it's like trying you know, it feels like you could get pulled off the road and into the ditch. And a second, and there was stuff tanking it the other way, and I was, I couldn't yeah. find the place. And then I'd phoned the guy, and I was, um, he was, oh no, you need to turn around. So I had to do like a 10 mile um, round trip detour to get back into the place. And then um, we had to load out an actual field. So I had to yep. drive the new uh, Scania, which is worth a lot more than my house, um, <laughs> into, the, into this field. And I was like, are you sure? He's like, yep, bring it in. And there was another couple of trucks there. Yeah. And, um, well, he put he half-loaded the trailer, and then I had to go to a different part of the farm to load different turf. And yeah. he kind of had... I, I pointed out to the farmer by his big John Deere tractor, and I was like, pointing out, like, this is the route you want me to take out the field. And he's like, yes, yes, okay, so... Diff lock in, traction control off, off-road mode engaged, air transfer and everything on. Pegged it, went for it, and it just went... And got stuck in, it got stuck in the mud. The, 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 well, the only thing... The only things that were getting in and out of there really were double drives, I would have thought. Yeah. Um, it was... It just... And, and it wasn't only me. There was a Volvo FM came in and another Next Gen and something else came in and they all got stuck and he was having he was quick out with his toe straps. He must have known he must have known this was going to happen. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so of course I didn't know where the towing pin was on the Scania. So of course I I, I phoned Jared from Scania and he's like, Good morning, how are you doing? How's the truck going, mate? And I'm like, Where's the tow pin? <laughs> he's like Is it He's like, What have you done? <laughs> what, what, what do you want the tow pin for? And I'm like, I'm like No, it's okay, I've not broken down. I'm in a field. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that, and then it occurred to me that that didn't sound any better at all. No, <laughs> no, like, absolutely. <laughs> so I was like, no, no, it's fine. I'm, su- I'm supposed to be in a field. Yeah, it's intentional. So, <laughs> it's legitimate. So the, yeah. the, this enormous John Deere tractor, I, I think I put a picture of it on Instagram and Twitter, and this big double wheeled thing. So we um, uh, got the strap on it and just gave it a little pull and I was using the throttle and the Scania as well and we got it dragged out no problem and that was the most that was the, the most action of the week but like I say, everywhere, I, everywhere I went it was straight into unload or straight into load the longest I sat all week was an hour and a half at Kirkcaldy oh. uh, not Kirkcaldy Kinross Services waiting uh, for a, a, tra- a trailer to come down with potatoes on it everywhere was straight in and out and that was the only reason I managed to get it all done yeah. Um, didn't have one single infringement on my tachograph card um, and I spent but I actually even I got home on the Monday night um, which was a nice bonus because the yard's that close to my house and I got home on the Friday night because all I had to do on Saturday was go to Tesco where mm-hmm. I note it's, um, I've not been in a Tesco distribution centre since uh, coronavirus hit 
And yeah. that have you been into one? Only to pick up Chet Pallets. So uh, I what difference is so much better now. Um, yeah. You drove up to the the gate and there's a touch screen, and I don't. Yeah. They'll probably. It worked perfectly for me. I don't know if anybody else has problems with it, but I had my reference number, so I just punched all the details into the touch screen. It opened up, and it told me what bay to go in. So I drove straight in, opened the doors, backed straight in the bay, into the counter, handed over the paperwork, and then I put my keys in this little locker, and then I got a key for it, like a form. Yeah. And then I was free to go back and sit in the cab um, where yeah. they tipped the trailer instead of sitting in the stinky waiting room where people are yeah. like, you know sleeping and farting and it's just so losing the will to live yeah you're you're actually able to get a proper rest um, yes you know so i was able to like lie in the well like i spent some time giving the cab a bit of a tidy up and i had a chat with um, one of the drivers from ian ridley who had a very tidy 500s sitting beside me but i thought yeah. what a difference that made just to be able to go and sit in the cab and everything and i was out i was in and out of tesco in an hour and a quarter as well so i the the weekend, the whole week just ran perfectly, and so did that truck. Um, the uh, performance is, um, it's designed for Sweden and to run at 65 tonnes. That's why they built these things. They're not built for us yeah. in the UK, really. Um, but I, what are, uh, the performance is something else. Like there was a guy in a, mm-hmm. a, a little Kia trying to cut up the inside of me where the, the lanes went from two into one with a set of cones. And yeah. I just I just like pegged it off around about with an empty trailer after tipping the potatoes and he got a fright. You know <laughs> I don't he was not expecting that truck to accelerate like that and he wasn't too, yeah. he, he he didn't have a lot to spare getting in, in front of me. Obviously I would <laughs> I would have let him in. I wouldn't have like sent him into the cones or anything, but I was like wow so yeah. What's the situation, Mohal? I know that you're not driving trucks. Uh, at the moment so much but hauliers around my part of the country are absolutely flat out I mean I, I, yeah. I'd text I'd text somebody on Saturday and I said um, I've got a truck coming if you need any holiday cover or an extra truck for someone oh definitely when can you start people are like when are you, when are you next getting a truck and um, can, can you work it for us and everything and people seem so busy which is interesting considering the state of the economy what's it like down in your part of the world <clears throat> well it it seems to be fairly busy. I mean, I've only had one call from one company I do do a bit of work for, asked if I've got any spare time, because, I mean, there are a couple of drivers down. They're, they're looking for a, for anybody, basically. Um, but, yeah, I'm a little bit out of touch with it, but it seems everyone I know is still – nobody's scratching around for work. They all seem pretty busy, and, and everything seems to be keep going on. So despite what the economy is and with Brexit and exports and imports, it all – yeah. The only thing, well, the only thing that seems to stop is the is the containers when it gets windy, um, which is which happens all the time. So, yeah, I, I know. noticed. Well, I noticed that there weren't as many containers on the A fourteen, um, yeah, as I've seen previously. I don't know if they're a bit quieter at the moment, but I'd noticed when I was out with that uh, one month ago. I had the little Volvo FM four twenty, and I noticed that there were very few foreign trucks on the road. Um, mm-hmm. And this time out last week, there were loads of them. Um, yeah. And they were from everywhere. There were some very smart-looking Spanish um, and German trucks and things as well, as well as your buckets of scrap from Romania. Um, yeah. One of which nearly wiped out the head of the, the 770. We were coming up the four-lane oh. section. The first 
um, bit of smart motorway on the uh, the M6 after the toll, and I'm coming past him quite slowly because um, although it's it, it's big on horsepower, the, the speed limiter was like fifty four and a half, so it, it yeah. wasn't. I was still getting overtaken um, by DAFs, yes, and things. It's, oh, oh. <laughs> the shame. <laughs> um, but this Romanian guy who was sitting. And, and he came that far across into the lane, I blasted the horn, and then he just kind of sat there, and then he moved over, and I kept going. And then he started to come over again, and I got along, as I got alongside him again, I blasted him the horn, and he was sitting with his elbows on the steering wheel, texting with both hands. And right, he, he yeah. didn't even look up to respond to me that I was even there. Yeah. And I was like, for the love of God, don't, please don't mark this truck of any of Yeah. <laughs> I don't want anything marked, but oh, the, yeah, there, no. was a, there, there seems to be an awful lot more foreign traffic on the roads, and it's from like, all over the place. So I, I guess that the freight forwarders and things have got their head around the customs, and there's a demand for goods going one way and then the other. So things yeah. must be improving. I dare say there'll probably be some some spanner coming along in the works to go and mess things up again soon. You know. And I think I think a few are doing a bit more unaccompanied stuff as well. So they'll send a truck mm. over, and then he or she will just stay over here yeah. for say a week, and they'll just mm. ship stuff un- unaccompanied. So it's not delaying yeah. as you, many have drivers you, have as such. You, have you seen the new thing about the COVID testing for drivers coming in? No, I haven't. Um, well, which will have, Grant will have Chaps me. has just tweeted this this afternoon. It'll be common knowledge by the time the podcast goes out. But they'll tell you. Uh, Anyway, it's to do with coronavirus testing for drivers coming in to the UK, and I don't right. think I don't think UK nationals need to get a test. Right. But okay. This is a weird thing when you um, when you enter the UK, you only have to get a coronavirus test if you're staying for more than forty eight hours. Right. So you can stay in the UK for like a day and a half. And drive yeah. up and drive about in your truck and do loads of deliveries and then go and you don't need to do any coronavirus testing. But if you stay for over forty eight, you've got to do it and then you've got to get another one um, after that as well. It's right. Re- it's really a bizarre setup. I don't know how they're going to track the drivers. Would that um, be to Would that be to do with because the French you you can get a test French side because if you're going out to France, you have to have a valid COVID test. Yeah, that's right. It, well, it's just, it, from April the sixth, lorries visiting England from outside UK and common travel area for more than two days will need to take a coronavirus test within forty-eight hours and a further one every seventy-two hours after. So, if you come into the country um, and you're going to stay here for a whole week or two weeks, or well, we can only wonder how for how long some of these foreign trucks were staying in Britain for previously. Se- several months. <laughs> yeah, well, you've got to get a coronavirus test every 72 hours after that initial one. Um, how are they going to keep track of that? You know, yeah, I've, I've no so idea. So a, dri- a driver's <laughs> going to have to go um, every three days, pop in somewhere and get his test, his test yeah. done. I think... I mean, aside from the fact that truck drivers have been proven to be very low uh, spreaders of coronavirus because of the nature of the work you do, you know, we're not in contact with a lot of people and for the yeah. amount of traveling that drivers do. So I thought that was, I thought that was a really, really weird one. Um, but that's Grant yeah. Sharps, our transport secretary. 
Um, so it doesn't really, um, uh, it doesn't really make any sense to me. But then nah. again, less and less things in life make sense to me as time goes on. <laughs> yeah, see, see like, like, like last last week, I went did my test Monday late morning uh, because I was shipping out. Went and did my test, got down to Dover, and the Frenchman opened his window and just waved me on. Didn't didn't want to see my test, didn't want to see my passport, nothing. So nobody checked anything. Uh, I went, yeah, couldn't believe it. I went, I went down to Turin. I collected on on the Wednesday morning, and I came back up to Mont Blanc, and I'd done a trip to Turin three or four weeks ago, and I got checked at the top of the Blanc as well. Uh, this time this week, nothing. Nobody there, just straight through, straight back into France. Never mm. got it checked at anywhere. And because you get the 72 hours, I managed to get myself back in, un- unload the, what was it? Uh, a cat. Yeah. A cat. Two two cats. Two, two cats. cats. Yeah, two, so two entire cats. Two entire was- cats. I, I had to meet a van in Turin that brought them up from the south of Italy somewhere. Mm. Um I bought them straight back. I dropped them off, went to my hotel, and I thought, well, I've got. I'm, if I'm back out again before sort of eleven o'clock time, my test is still valid. So I just mm. got got up sort of earlyish, straight back down at Dover, and they did actually check it this time. But you know, because it's within seventy two hours, I uh, didn't have a problem. Straight back out and uh, went down to Frankfurt and picked up a dog on Friday and brought mm. back. So they've been flown in from Mexico. Wow. So I did it have to quarantine? No. Or anything um, like that, no? No, it had to clear customs in the UK. So frustratingly, Friday night, I come back in on the Channel Tunnel, have to turn around, go back down to Western Docks, because uh, Harbour Shipping is the agent, and then clear customs. It only took, mm. I don't know, um, half an hour, 40 minutes or so. So not long, but... Just a bit frustrated, but the border force are the, the biggest issue. Um, right, coming. Oh, the, the, the queues at the Channel Tunnel, especially on a Friday on the passenger side, because it's livestock, we have to go passenger side. The queues are just horrendous, and it's just because of border force. There's no problem getting through the, the initial tunnel check in, all the French um, customs and the French uh, passport control, all that. Mm. It's just purely border force. And um, I mean, what I said. I mean, I, I actually like, are they actually like doing like really thoroughly searching for people or what? Or are they no, re- raking no. through people's luggage looking for drugs I, or I, something? What's... I, no, all I, you have to have this passenger locator form filled out. Um, so I don't know whether it's people who haven't got them done or anything, but they're just, they just seem to be at the window for, for ages. I actually sat there in my queue and I sat for 50 minutes without moving an inch. Five zero minutes. Five zero. Yep. Didn't oh. move an inch. Yeah, because I, I listened to two two episodes of a, of a podcast I've been listening to, and yeah, they're about twenty odd minutes long each. Good so day. yeah, fifty fifty minutes just did did not move, and I couldn't for the life of me, I couldn't figure out what what the issue was. So because when you do eventually get to the front, it's normally check that check if you need a COVID test, which because I'm technically freight, I don't to come back in. Mm. Uh, which always caused some, some confusion. Normally, you then straight off up to the lanes. So yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know what the problem is. Um, but that's that has been my biggest hold up this week is just trying to get through border force. 
Uh, aye, so I am, well, basically, I am back to my desk again uh, for the next three weeks. I was uh, try, I was starting to, starting to maybe build up a nice little um, routine whereby I could get out driving a truck for a one week of every four-week cycle of the magazine, um, yeah. which would... Which is fantastic, you know. I, I absolutely uh, love that. I love getting, being able to get back out and, you know, work the trucks properly. You know, the, the, yeah. The, um, that's the whole point is that using them for real um, uh, and enjoying it. So the next truck I have got is the, an Iveco Sway four sixty. So yeah. only three hundred and ten horsepower less than the last one that I drove. <laughs> but having said that, it's a completely standard um fleet vehicle and I'm, I'm quite looking forward to seeing how it get seeing how it gets on because obviously we're not all um we'll, we'll go and um demo demo um anything really so yeah looking 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 forward to to that um unfortunately i have also got a couple of three week issues there's two issues of truck and driver this summer that are only on sale for three weeks a piece because we're doing 13 a year and it's right. com- it's comp it's a really complicated thing to explain because we share a production schedule with Transport News in Scotland. So, two of the issues are only on sale for three weeks. So that's the magazine is going to get in the way of my lorry driving. Ugh. That's a bit bit anti-social, isn't it? Yeah, I know. I know that it's like my full time job and everything like that. But yeah, but that's not the point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've got. I've got. Yeah, I've got trucks. I've got trucks that need driven. There's a there's um the new Renault range is being launched um on April the sixth, um okay. which is quite exciting. So if you so ju- just a facelifted like, version, isn't it? Very very heavily facelifted. Um, right. I there was a teaser shot that Commercial Motor put online this week where you could see this on the front corner of the range T. Yeah. The, the, it's had an it's had an exterior revamp, but I think. Um, the most interesting bit everyone, everybody's going to want to see is the interior because um, the range T was always going to traditionally criticised for being very well the T high for being very spacious inside but not doing a lot with the space. So there's right. a new there's a new Renault that's come out. I've still to get my hands on one of the new MANs. Um, yeah, and I'd like to drive. Um, I was uh, I was given the opp- I've got the opportunity to go and drive something with my manual gearbox in it for a week as well coming up as well. So oh, very nice, I yeah. Can't turn that down. No, definitely mm. not. Not not a proper manual. But yeah, the Renault sounds like the problem I always found with the Magnum. Um, you've got this ginormous space and just nowhere to put anything. That's what I always found with the Magnum. Plus mm. the the ride the ride was kind of like you know driving a hovercraft. Um, and I, I'm not going to go on about them because uh, I know I've got oh no I've got several friends who are big big Renault uh, fans um, mentioning no names at Ash Redman uh, and uh, oh we've got to he, give him, we've got to give Ash's mention you know. <laughs> and he's if I uh, hi, if I Ash. say that I'm not such oh hi Ash and if I'm not such a th- fan of the uh, the diamond you know I, I don't want him getting upset yeah well actually <laughs> crying, that's the thing. Uh, Crying into his nineties football strip. <laughs> I, do, I do like a nineties football strip myself. I must contend. I've got. I've never chucked yeah. out any football kits that I've I've acquired as an adult. Um, yeah. I did sell. I did have a nineteen eighty eight eighty nine Hearts top. Um, yeah. 
uh, which I, which obviously was a child size because I got it when I was nine, and I sold it on eBay yeah. for fifteen quid a good few years ago, and I sorely regret it now. Um, yeah, because uh, I could have donated it to my nephew. Not that he would be seen dead in it at the moment, <laughs> but uh, for a long shot. Um, anybody yeah. who listens to the podcast and is, is the slightest awareness of what hearts have been up to over the past couple of weeks will know exactly why that is. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. 90s football shirts were the best. That was that was like the yeah. the peak era. You know the designers were on. You know it was a time. Uh, the 90s were a time of like raves and LSD and ecstasy, and that's what a lot of those football strip designers it, it were reflected on at the time. in them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I seem to remember somebody had like a. It was near on like a high vis yellow. Was that Liverpool or someone? I mean, I've I've lost all Logic. touch with football, lost all interest. But I seem to remember oh, yeah, that's when I was common for away growing. kits. Goalkeeper kits are like that as well. I've got a, I've got a fluorescent yellow um, Hearts goalkeeper top, which I bought. I just I just um, seem to remember some cheap. some teams. I mean, that might have been their whole away strip. So it wasn't just the keeper, but the whole kit. Was... Oh yeah, Celtic had one years ago in the nineties as well. You know, proper like yeah. bright sort of stuff. I yeah, you could you could just about get away with wearing it as an actual high vis top. Yeah, as I say, <laughs> yeah, put it put it on an RDC and you'll be fine. <laughs> Aye, yeah, you'd be fine. I definitely would. Oh, I say as well. I uh, I reviewed in the current issue as well. I reviewed Shit's Creek because oh. you. You recommended yes. it to me, and I've uh, I've binge watched the whole lot of it. Did Did you enjoy it? Yeah, it was wonderful. It's so oh, it's... I would recommend to to anybody, especially during these these sort of times. Um, it's really gentle and so entertaining. It's got um, it's been written by um, you would know him as Jim's dad from American Pie, Eugene Levy, and his yeah. son Dan Levy, and it's it's about this billionaire family who lose their entire fortune and are forced to relocate to a little town in the middle of nowhere where, you know, they don't have anything apart from each other. And uh, there's six seasons of it on Netflix. And it's really um, it's really funny and it's really heartwarming. And, yeah, uh, yeah and I'm, I think I might just start watching it again from the start just to look at Alexis, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> it does, if people are going to watch it, you do need to give it sort of two or three episodes just so you get to know yes, the characters. It, yeah, because, yeah, if, if you just watch the first one and then mm. judge it on that, it'd be, it'd be a bit unfair. I think you need to watch watch a couple, and if you're like me and Dougie and just get into it and you just you just soon find yourself binge watching it as you know any yeah, opportunity. I went right, I went, I went right the way right the way through the whole lot of it, and now I'm back yeah. on to um, Narcos Mexico. That's what I've moved right. back onto now. Working my way through that, it's a bit of a one extreme to another. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um. So that that was a quite a. I was quite sad when it when Shit's Creek actually ended. I think. Um, yeah. I was. I'm not going to give any spoilers away here, but I definitely think that it would be viable for them to return to that and do like one-off specials in the future. Yeah, yeah. Did you watch the uh, documentaries about the the series as well? Yeah, I did. Did Uh, Yeah, they're they're interesting. Warmest regards or something that was called. I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like watching that that, that as well. I couldn't believe that um, Annie Murphy, who plays Alexis, hadn't acted for like three years and was about to give up the whole profession. When she got the call yeah. back for the job. Yeah, uh, what what stroke of luck. Aye, so what's your plans for next week? Where are you off to? 
So I'm just waiting for 100% confirmation, but I believe I'm off to either Slovenia or Slovakia. Ooh, that's to, quite far away, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. To go and... I, now, I believe I'm meeting a van that's come from somewhere in Russia. Although, God, that sounds shady. You're going to <laughs> Slovenia to meet a man in Russia. I was going to... Yeah. You, this dog's going to be like a, a, a stuffed dog. <laughs> Or a bear or something daft. <laughs> but um, it's, cust- from what I can gather, the customs computer system went down, I think, Thursday or Friday, which basically shut the borders. From what I can gather, mm. uh, Lithuania, Latvia, Finland. So I think the, the queues have built up and he's trying to get, oh. he's, I think he's heard that he can get through into Poland and it's oh. all a bit, it's, it's all a bit up in the air. And so exactly where I'm going and and for when I'm waiting to hear, but that's but that's what? the last of it. Oh, but two Albanians so, and a pantomime horse. Quite possibly, yeah. But as long as they've got a pet passport, then uh, I'll chuck them in the back. I don't mind. <laughs> Good. I, I, uh, so, you, I, I know where Slovakia, the, Slovakia is on the map. Uh, Slovenia. So, so, I couldn't point, so, so, point you where that is. It, it kind of it's nestled. It's sort of like the other side of Austria, and it and sort of like where Austria and Italy are. Slovenia's kind of tucked up in there, sort of thing. It would have been sort of like the very sort of top of um, like Yugoslavia as it was. So it's it's uh, not quite on the coast, um, but sort of around there. It's about I think to Maribor is about thirteen hundred k from Calais, roughly. So it's quite a slap down there. Oh, I see it there. Right? So, yeah, kind of go, yeah, kind of transit Germany, Austria, and into into Slovenia that way. Uh, and oh, so, right. I've only ever I've only ever transit Slovenia. I've never actually stopped and and been able to have a look around anywhere before there. So um, no, that that'll be interesting. You know, it's probably, probably some really uh, it's, it's got some beautiful, beautiful national parks and everything. Yeah, yeah, th- things like that. and it's got a good motorway system as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, just yeah, I'll have to wait and bit see. Of, bit of culture, yeah. it's not it's not a part of um, Europe. I'm very familiar with at all. It's just like sort of miscellaneous, all those different former Soviet states yeah. and parts of Yugoslavia and everything. Yeah, I yeah. Should, so, I'd love to go and explore more of Europe. Really, I was actually talking um, earlier on today to Stephen, um, who bought my Foden off me. Yeah. Um, because well, I might be I might be going out to do some work in the Foden, um, so I might get to actually go and w- do some work in my my lorry Your that I bought truck. to be an owner driver, but never actually did it because I got the truck and driver job. So that yeah. would, that would be nice. But I was t- talking to I was talking to him because he's bought himself a Renault Range T High tag axle, um, left right. hand drive, uh, and then okay. we're going to do a feature on on that in the, in the magazine. And he was talking about possibly. Um, so he offered me. He says I could get you a run to Europe if you wanted, and I was like, I've never been. Well, I've never been to Europe um, on my own in a truck before or anything. God, God that sounds right. quite. Um, never been on my own before. I went over. I went <laughs> over with the the Daft Show Trekker in twenty nineteen, which was um, yeah. co- which was cool. And he but he said, oh, it might be. He said, you know, we could maybe try and work out um, to go and. Um, run down to Spain or something with two trucks, you know, get two two trucks and trailers. And I was like, yeah, yeah that would be cool because then, I, uh, then yeah. I would have somebody to, like, tag along with and ask stupid questions of all the time. Yeah. I'd be like, that'd, yeah. be, that'd be great, <laughs> yeah, because, like, between, like, you and um, Paul, 
who pulls like constantly um, on the road in Europe and things as well. Eh? I think I definitely need to. It's an itch that I think I need to to scratch. I need to go and do some yes European European work. But um, I I tell you what the guys that do the European stuff because like last week when I was out in that Scania when I was like. Um, I'd be phoned, like trying to get into that turf farm in Norfolk was a stress enough as well. I'd like soaking armpits and I was phoning ahead <laughs> to make sure I was like, oh, can I, can I drive front ways into your yard? Or do I need to reverse in and like a panama- panic. And I'm thinking, am I, I'm thinking, imagine doing groupage and like across yeah. like Europe and everything like that. These boys that do stuff like that are like a different, a different league, you know, just multi dropping, multi dropping abroad, you know, that's. And imagine, imagine it 20, 30 years ago when there was no smartphones and you yeah. had maps, maps, yeah, no sat-nav, and yeah, all Michael, that lot, trying to find farms. To, and, yeah, he used to do it. Michael yeah. Billy used to go to Greece um, and yeah. everything. He used to go away down there on an ERF E14 and he had a, a, sure. Scania, a Scania 112 and I think his favourite, he had a Volvo F12 Globetrotter. Um, which was yep. that was by far his favourite, and I could see why um, back yeah. then, sort of like an ex reg sort of thing. And I was like, "Yes, I need mm-hmm. to go." I've still got his cowboy hat up there because he was like, he loved a bit of Kenny Rogers <laughs> and all that, and he used to always bring it out at um, weddings, weddings and things. He passed away a couple of years ago now. Um, but yeah. yeah, maybe go and do some European european run that would be wonderful to go and do that because that would be my that would be my summer holidays this year because we're not going to um aside from the fact i've got very little life outside of trucks at the moment with coronavirus um yeah and it's the same for loads of loads of people i think that would be my holidays this year if i could get a run to europe i think that would be um i am that uh sad that that would be like you know i would uh an experience so good i would consider it a holiday (laughs) <laughs> yes yeah stuff wrong with that <laughs> well you know that's that's uh you know I, I wouldn't do you know um i wouldn't do the job if i didn't like it <laughs> no no what's the point exactly oh, so yeah, have we got any that. other business to attend to anything we need to cover do you think? uh don't think so at the moment mate not that i can think of all right cool well, it's been lovely to catch up with you again, Matt. I hope you have a great week and you don't end up picking up a bear from a Russian man in Slovenia. Absolutely, mate. I shall uh, keep you posted. And if you never hear from me again, then uh, that's probably happened. Ah, oh, yeah. Well, you know. Ah, oh, yeah. Stay safe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> stay, stay home. Stay safe. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Truck and Driver podcast. Please subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To keep up to date with the latest news, 100% for drivers, visit truckanddriver.co.uk, where you can also subscribe to the print edition of Truck and Driver magazine, which publishes on the last Friday of every month. The Truck and Driver podcast is produced by Sound Rebel. To find out more, please visit soundrebel.co.uk.